0: One of my favorite parts of Thanksgiving is what my wife calls the Midwestern goodbye. Now, I don't know if that's an actual thing. If not, we need to go trademark it. But the Midwestern goodbye, maybe you've experienced something like this. In my family, the Midwestern goodbye goes like this. We realize that, man, it's late. We need to get going. So we start saying goodbye in the living room while we're putting on our shoes. And then as we stand up and we walk to the front door... Then there's more goodbyes as we start to give each other hugs and we're, you know, kind of scrambling to say those last things that we want to say. The front door opens. We begin the walk outside, but what happens? We just continue to talk on the porch. We say some more goodbyes. Eventually we start moving towards the minivan and we're walking and eventually we are turned around, walking backwards, still talking, saying our goodbyes. We get to the van. We got one foot in, one foot out. We're still talking. We finally get in the van, we roll down the window so we can continue talking, and then we're shouting goodbyes as we're driving away. Anybody else experience a Midwestern goodbye? Okay. I love that part of Thanksgiving, and here's why I love it so much. It's because some of the last things that you say to somebody matter. In fact, the the last things that you're going to say to loved ones, family members, friends, maybe until you see them again at, you know, next Thanksgiving— they matter, and we've spent a lot of time with them. We've, we've had fun talking about how the Huskers actually beat the Hawkeyes, and yeah! okay, all right. I just hope that's not the loudest, like, amen I get all day. But, <laughs> but the last things that you say to somebody when you know it's kind of your end of the time with them, they really matter. And typically, it's not just fluff. It's not just throwing out cliches, but you're saying some of the most important things you've said to them in your entire time Together. The last moments we spend with people, they they carry extra weight. And the last words that we say to someone, they they carry that weight because it's really conveying our heart. It's conveying our heart towards them. The last moments you have with someone leave impressions on your life that will potentially last for the rest of your life. The back in the spring, my family and I, we got to go see Tiffany's grandparents, Grandpa Joe, Grandma Karen down in St. Louis before they were moving to Florida. This is a picture of Grandpa Joe, Grandma Karen with our five kids. And the reason I bring it up is, is they, they kind of take the Midwestern goodbye and go over the top with it because they will follow you outside and they will do this, what I've like affectionately called the driveway hug. All right? Now, some of you are like, what are you talking about? I'm actually going to show you a video here in just a second, but I got to set it up, all right? They follow you out to the car, and then when you get in the car and you start to drive away, they don't just turn their backs and head into into the house. No, they stand side by side, and they stretch out their arms as if they are giving you one last really big hug, saying, we love you this much. Why don't you take a look at this video from the last time we left their home? (laughs) I love it. It's the driveway hug. It's the driveway hug. And the reason I love it is our family will never doubt whether Grandpa Joe and Grandma Karen love us. We'll never doubt that they care for us deeply because we have that visual of the driveway hug every time we leave their place. Well, today we're gonna look at two of the last recorded things that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. It's some of his last goodbyes, if you will. And in looking at these two things, it conveys his heart, just as our Midwestern goodbyes convey our heart to our loved ones. We're gonna see two things here in some of these last words of Jesus before he ascends into heaven. One, we're gonna see a big part of his heart, but then also we're gonna see a mission. For you and me, and it would it would serve us well. It would serve the world well if we pay attention to the mission that God has for us, and to take it to heart and to live it out. So, before we get to what Jesus said, let me give you just a little bit of context. The two passages of Scripture that we're about to read they each took place after Jesus had been killed on the cross, after he'd been buried in the tomb, and God had raised him back. To life. They're recorded from the time that Jesus spent with his disciples after the resurrection, but before his ascension into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father. So we're going to read two passages and we're just going to kind of breeze through them and then I'm going to come back and we're going to look at two small phrases, one from each. So let's take a look in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. This is the end of the book of Matthew. And let's see what Jesus says to his disciples that were gathered there. He says, uh, it says here, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mic drop, Gospel of Matthew is over incredible words that he speaks. Let's take a look though. Acts chapter 1. Luke is the author of Acts and he records something that Jesus says right before he takes off and ascends into heaven. Acts 1 verses 6 through 9. So when the apostles were with Jesus they kept asking him, Lord has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. But You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Now, Jesus says a lot in these two passages. We could probably spend an entire teaching series on each passage there's so much to dissect and to dive into but today's a one-off message and so we're just going to focus in on two, two small but yet crucial phrases make disciples be my witnesses say make disciples make disciples, make disciples. Make disciples. say be my, be, my be my witnesses be my witnesses what are these two phrases make disciples be my witnesses what do they teach us about the heart of God The one thing that we have to get today is that these phrases, make disciples, be my witnesses, they convey this about God's heart. God has a heart for expansion. Say the word expansion. 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 These two verses, these two phrases rather, tell us that God wants his kingdom to expand. He wants there to be more disciples made and developed. He wants people to share their stories and what they have witnessed, what they've experienced, so that other people might be inspired and compelled and encouraged to follow him as well. He wants to see his kingdom expanded. Make disciples. He wants to see the kingdom of God expand in the hearts of his creation. In fact, this is the reason that Jesus has not returned yet. As Christians, we are excited. We're looking forward to Christ's return. But there's one verse that tells us why he hasn't returned yet. We see this in 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 9. Take a look at it with me. It says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. As some people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent, everyone to turn from their selfish ways. To him, to be a follower of Christ, to be surrendered to him, to become a disciple. Somebody that is an apprentice, that's learning from Jesus how we are to live. The only reason Jesus isn't back yet is because he's waiting so that more people have the opportunity to become his disciples before it's too late. God has a heart for expansion. This is one of the reasons I am personally humbled and excited to stand before you today as New Life's pastor of expansion. Not many churches have that title for a pastor. I'm kind of humbled by it. The one issue is that I have to then explain to people what does it mean? And no, it's not because after Thanksgiving my, you know, my waistline expanded. It's something far more important than that. If expansion matters to God, then it should matter to us as a church. So much so that we would have a pastor dedicated to expansion. A little over a year ago, God began to impress upon Pastor Jeff's heart that we needed a a, a pastor of expansion position created. That it would be focused on developing leaders and taking the lead on expanding to more communities to bring a life-giving church that God has blessed For decades into places that maybe have some life giving churches, but they need another one because the harvest is great and the workers are few. There are many lost people that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. But if new life came and brought the gospel, we exist. Why? To see people find Jesus and lives change. That we needed an entire position dedicated to this. God has a heart. For expansion, He wants to see more disciples made in Kearney, in North Platte, in Ogallala, and the surrounding communities that come and are a part of our existing campuses. God wants to see more disciples made through New Life Online. If you guys aren't on board yet that New Life Online matters, please schedule coffee with Pastor Robert. He would love to share the wins that are coming out of New Life Online. We want to see more disciples made through our Kingdom Builder partners. I don't know about you, but I'm excited every single Sunday when I watch a Kingdom Builder video that's sharing what God is doing through partners that we get to support, both financially but then also sometimes going and serving alongside them. And we want to see disciples made in communities where we don't yet have campuses, but we will as the Lord leads us in the future. There's a story that I got to sit and kind of witness back at the end of February of this year. Pastor Jeff and I and and our spouses, we were at this event for the Global Leadership Summit. It's called the GLS Launch Event. And you get to rub shoulders with pastors and other leaders from churches across denominations and and across the country. And we we rub shoulders with this pastor that we met a few years ago. He's a pastor of a church that is multi-site over the last 35 years. They've gone from 150 people in their congregation to into the 15,000 to 17,000 range. They have 19 campuses. Jeff and I love rubbing shoulders with this guy because we can learn a thing or two from this guy. And Jeff started to tell him, hey, we're going to be making this shift. We're going to be moving Dave into this role of pastor of expansion. And this other pastor starts to kind of ask him a little bit, get a little bit more of the context. Well, how many, how many locations do you guys have? Well, we've got three physical, one online. And, and Jeff kind of shares where we're wanting to go. That we want to have a more proactive faith where we're going to go start knocking on doors to go see which ones God opens. And the pastor looked at him and he said, that's the right move. I wish I would have done that years ago. Here it was, this guy that we both look up to and admire in so many ways, and he was affirming what Jeff had sensed in his heart, that we need a a position that champions expansion because the harvest is great and the workers are few. This I don't know about you guys, but I have sensed over the last few months that this is a really exciting time for New Life Church. At all of our campuses, will you just raise your hand to, like, if you have sensed anything like that, that maybe you attended a kids' event and you are like, man, that was awesome. God is doing something in our kids' ministry. Maybe there was a a worship service that you came and you experienced God's presence and you saw momentum building. Is there anybody that would agree with me that God is doing something amazing in this season? Out in Ogallala, I want to brag about what God's doing out there. We've seen a boom in the kids' ministry out there. Their latest kids' night in was the best kids' event they've ever pulled off, Pastor West told me. In fact, Candy Palooza, just about a month ago, had the highest attendance of any Sunday this year. We're seeing incredible things at the Ogallala campus. In fact, in, in North Platte. Over the last quarter, the last three months of the year have been the strongest quarter that we've seen this year in North Platte. And I attribute that to the amazing transition to the leadership with Pastor Tyler and Sarah out there. And leaders stepping up to to lead under their authority and under their leadership. and, And God just doing amazing things. New Life Online continues to minister not just to new people that are finding new life and they're wanting to kind of check us out before they maybe walk through our doors. But Pastor Robert is able to minister to new lifers that are sick and are at home, aren't able to be in person. He's ministered to new lifers from all the different campuses when maybe they've been on the road. And he continues to reach people and have conversations and interactions with people centered around helping them find Jesus and seeing lives changed. Here at Carney, I could highlight a number of things that have been going really well. and In our announcements here, you heard Nate and Drew celebrate what's going on with Pastor Kayla and the kids' ministry of needing to put out more chairs at the most recent FX. I don't know about you, but that causes me to want to celebrate and give God praise and give God all the honor and the glory because we're seeing amazing things happen here. But i got to tell you guys, it's just the tip of the iceberg. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Wait till Pastor Jeff shares with you next Sunday the results of the miracle offering. He's going to share a few numbers with you that really convey the heart of this church, and you're going to be inspired. I would share them with you now, but I want to continue in the role of Pastor of Expansion <laughs> beyond just today, okay? In all seriousness, I don't have the most up to date numbers, and so I'm not going to share them anyway, but come back next Sunday. You're going to be encouraged in your faith as you hear what we are doing as far as the steps of faith that we're taking. But, guys, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Across all New Life campuses, we're seeing people find Jesus and lives change. And this motivates me to say we've got to go and we've got to plant in other communities. We need to continue to make disciples in Kearney, North Platte, Ogallala, through New Life Online. But there are other whole communities that are what we call rural hubs. They're influential where other towns come there for Walmart or health care and, and different things. There are other rural hubs that we want to go and we want to have a presence in so that the gospel of Jesus continues can continue to expand in the hearts of people. If we didn't care about the heart of God, if we didn't value what he values when it comes to expansion, then we could just be satisfied. We could be satisfied with where we are. We could just keep meeting in this place and in North Platte and Ogallala. We wouldn't have to worry about the community outside of our doors. We wouldn't have to worry about loved ones that don't yet know Jesus. But because we care about the heart of God and that heart of expansion, then then we have to take these words, these phrases, make disciples and be my witnesses seriously. Acts 1-8, I want to revisit that scripture for a moment. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Now stop there for just a moment. Be my witnesses. I love that God doesn't ask us to all be Bible scholars and, and biblical experts that have all the answers. He says, be my witnesses. That levels the playing field. That means if you've been following Jesus for three minutes... And he's done something in your life, you're a witness. You can tell what you've experienced. You can tell what he's done in your life. You can share that with somebody else. If you've been following Jesus for three decades, you can be a witness. You can share what he's done in your life and encourage somebody else and give them hope that he might work in their life in a similar fashion. Be my witnesses. But then he goes on, and I think this is a model that we have to pay attention to. He says, Be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, where they were from, their home base, throughout Judea, in Samaria, so the region around them, and then to the ends of the earth. That we start right here. We're going to continue to make disciples. We're going to continue to seek and save the lost in Kearney, North Platte, Ogallala, and through New Life Online. We're going to continue to be invested here, but we can't just stay here. We have to have a heart for expansion into other communities because that's what Jesus told us to do. He said, go be my witnesses first in your area, then expand and take my message, the good news of Jesus, to the ends of the earth. Which I love that we get to do some of that through our Kingdom Builder partners. We're responsible for being Jesus' witnesses in the communities where we are and going to be witnesses in new places too. It's a combination of making disciples and being witnesses where we are and also sharing the good news of Jesus as a life-giving church in whichever communities that the Lord leads us to. So you may be wondering, okay, Dave, I get it. God has a heart for expansion. What's my part to play? What do I do? What's my responsibility? Practically speaking, what can I do to be a part of the expansion that is happening through New Life Church? Well, I'm glad you asked the question. I got three things for you. This is not an exhaustive list, okay? But I wanted to give us three things that each one of us can take away, each one of us can apply, three ways that you can be involved with kingdom expansion. The first one is this, embrace change. Say that with me, embrace change. Now, I think there's something natural in a lot of us that we don't want to embrace change, that we only change if we're forced to, if we have to. But not all change is bad. All right? So we have to embrace change. As healthy things multiply, as new life expands, and we're a part of God's kingdom being built, there will inevitably be changes. So embrace change. Start with the, the mentality or the mindset, telling yourself, I will embrace change. Decide right now that you're willing To embrace temporary discomfort brought on by a change in return for the eternal reward of seeing people find Jesus and lives changed. Think about that for a moment. If you embrace change, if you value, okay, I I will embrace some temporary discomfort. Meaning, man, maybe I'm going to have to to get here early and, and sit in the front row because nobody sits in the front rows. All right, Or maybe you can get here late. Nobody's sitting there. You can show up whenever you want to and sit in the front row. I'm going to embrace that change. Maybe when my favorite worship songs are not being sang on Sundays anymore, I'm going to have to embrace the newer songs. Maybe I don't know them as well, but I can embrace that change because those songs are being used to reach new people. It's not all about me. So I can embrace change. There's a technique known as pre-framing. Pre-framing is just this, if you know you're going to encounter a situation, you can ahead of time frame how you're going to respond to it. If Thanksgiving, if you were one of those people that shouted out a two or a three, well next year's Thanksgiving doesn't have to be so bad. You can start right now by pre-framing, you know what, next Thanksgiving, I'm going to respond better when I have to hang out with my brother that I don't like or when they make the the mashed potatoes this way and I want them a little lumpy, I don't want them completely smooth because I wanna know that they're actual potatoes. You guys don't have that argument in your family, just mine, okay. But embrace change, embrace change. We'll all be better for it. Decide ahead of time how you're gonna respond when maybe your personal preferences aren't being met. Is it gonna be met with opposition or are you willing to say, you know what, I'm willing to give up my preferences if it means that even one person can find Jesus. I'm willing to never sing Waymaker again on a Sunday if it means that we're singing a different song that's going to connect with the heart of people and it's going to lead them and encourage them and inspire them to pursue Jesus. Number one, embrace change. Number two, say yes to serving. Say yes to serving. Here's the deal, guys. So often, I I remember when I was like just new to Christianity, as as far as like a relationship with Christ, where I had surrendered my life, and I was saying, okay, I'm in. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. There was a part of serving that I saw through the lens of, what do I get out of it? But I want you to see that serving is a win-win. It's going to better your life, it's going to strengthen your faith, and it's going to bless and strengthen the church. It benefits you, and it benefits the church. Back in the spring, I met with our North Platte Directors of Ministry, different volunteer leaders, and I just asked them, I said, would you guys, in your mind, go back to when you first started volunteering on a serving team at New Life? And I gave them a second to kind of think, because some of them, it had been years It had been six or seven or almost eight years. And I said, go back to when you first started serving. How did that benefit you? And I'm not making this up. Instantly, we got one gal, she starts crying. And she said, it told me I had a place to belong. It told me that I had a church that loved me. Loved me enough not just to let me walk through the doors, but to be a part of the team. I had another guy that came to that, that he voiced Man, it made me a better worker. I went to my job and I was a better worker after I had started serving at the church. I had other leaders say, "Man, I didn't know anybody, but then when I started serving, all of a sudden I had friends at church because there were people that I got to serve alongside to and I got to know them. They were all saying how it benefited them. They found a place to belong, they grew in their faith, they became better as a husband or a mother. So serving, it's a win-win. When you serve, you find a place to belong. When you serve, you utilize gifts and abilities that God has given you and he has designed for you to use. When you serve, you strengthen God's church. When you serve, you form friendships with those that you serve alongside. You may be sitting here thinking that you're not qualified to serve. Maybe you're thinking, well, my past disqualifies me. If they knew this about me, they would say, no, you're not good enough. You haven't cleared the bar. Maybe you're thinking, I don't have any special abilities. Well, it's football season, so I got a football quote for you from Bill Parcells, NFL uh, Hall of Fame coach. You know what he said? The best ability is availability. Availability. Are you willing to be available? Are you willing to say yes to serving? Because oftentimes that's all we need. That's all God needs and he will bless your efforts. We've got a number of different areas in where you can serve at New Life. Our kids ministry. We've got people that are praying for the pastors. We've got people that are on our front door smiling and high-fiving people as they come in. But there's one ministry that I want to just highlight for a moment, it's our production team. It's the people that are running uh, lights and slides on video projection. It's the people that are running cameras and getting them set and things like that. Our production team, I'm just going to be flat out vulnerable with you. Here at the Carney campus, we need to see this team honestly triple in size. If we want to be healthy and at a place where we can go and plant in the next community. We're so thin right now because we've got amazing men and and, uh, a couple of young men that have jumped on the team and they're serving like crazy. We need people to join them. I'm just going to tell you, they're some of the most fun guys you could ever hang out with. But we need more people. Why? So that our team is strong enough and we can plant our next campus out of health. So if you're interested at all in joining a team, there's going to be a slide that we put up during wrap-up where you can go and you can fill out a very short form. It'll take you probably not even 30 seconds. And you could say, hey, I'm interested in serving. I want to say yes to it. Do that at the end of service today. Before you walk out of here, say yes to serving and be a part of kingdom expansion. So number one, embrace change. Number two, say yes to serving. And the last one then, start with those closest to you. If you want to be a part of expanding God's kingdom, you don't have to be intimidated and think, well, I have to go to the ends of the earth to be able to be a part of kingdom expansion. Expansion could start with the people that are closest to you. If you want to make disciples, if you want to be a witness, start with the people closest to you. If you go back to Jesus' words, you'll notice that progression of start in Jerusalem and then go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The best place to start is right where you live. Who do you rub shoulders with regularly? Who do you live close to that you need to start rubbing shoulders with regularly? Tiffany and I, for Halloween, we took our kids out trick-or-treating, not because we love Halloween, but because we had just moved into a home, and we wanted to meet some of our neighbors. And I love it. They've got some classic names. We met John and Francine. We met Steve and Janice. They're our neighbors, and hopefully they love kids because... We brought a whole bunch of noise and chaos to the neighborhood when we moved in. But why do we do that? We want to meet our neighbors. We want to make disciples. We want to to love them, share Jesus with them. I don't yet know if they know Jesus yet. But I knew the first step was i got to meet them first. And so we went out and we went trick-or-treating. Parents, your children should be a primary focus for you when it comes to making disciples and being Witnesses. It's not something we have to be intimidated by. It's something we can step up to and say, yeah, I'm not perfect, but I will will show you how to follow Jesus. I'll be a witness. I'll share with you what Jesus has done in my life. I love that my wife, Tiffany, models this so well for our kids. I've got a picture of her with our two youngest. We've got City and Edge. City's in the middle. Edge is the one just in... the chubby face, all right? And what are they doing? They wanted to bless one of our friends. It was her birthday, and they blessed her by going and praying around her building where she works. And they didn't make it seven times around, so the the walls are still standing, okay? It wasn't like the walls of Jericho, but they went and they prayed. And I love that my wife did that because she's raising up our kids to realize, hey, if you want to love your friends well, pray for them. And sometimes it means you got to get out, be bundled up, get out in the bitter cold, and go prayer walk for them. Pray for them. Believe for the best. Pray God's blessings over them. Tiffany, while she was blessing, our friend was also discipling those closest to her. You see, Jesus takes all the pressure off when he just tells us, be witnesses, go make disciples, start where you are, and as we kind of start to wrap up here, this is, this is my prayer. This is my hope for everyone hearing my voice today. With the next scripture that I'm about to share, I would pray that you would not be intimidated by this scripture. But you would hold on to it and you'd say, you know what? I'm going to do my best to live that out. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. He's not saying, hey, be perfect like me, because he wasn't. But he's saying, hey, do you see how I follow Christ? Why don't you do that? As you're making disciples, as you're being witnesses, you should be able to say with integrity to your spouse or to your kids or to your friend, hey, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to feel like you're worthless. In fact, just follow what I'm doing. I have this heart to honor the Lord. Why don't you you do that? We have a culture with our worship team that I, I, I encourage every single one of them, it's this. Hey, you should be able to say to our congregation, worship Christ the way you see me worship Christ. That does not mean we need some choreographed dance. Choreographed, you got to ha- hold your hands just right for it to count. No, meaning genuinely, passionately worship the Lord the way you see me genuinely, passionately worship the Lord. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So this message it can be boiled down to the two phrases, make disciples and be my witness. Because God has a heart for expansion. Before we stand to pray, I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Every single one of us is going to stand before Jesus one day. The Bible's clear about that, that everyone is going to stand before the Lord. And on that day, in that moment, as you face the Lord... Will you be able to say, I made disciples? Will you be able to look Jesus in the eye and say, I was your witness? I I told people what you had done in my life. I pointed people in your direction. Man, I didn't have all the answers, but I was willing to pursue you to go find those answers. I wasn't perfect, but I did everything I could to make disciples. And to be your witness. Go ahead and open your eyes for a moment. Don't you want Jesus to look back at you and know that you made disciples? That you were his witness and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, you were willing to go and be a part of what I was doing to expand my kingdom. You were willing to share the good news that I had with those around you. There are 8 billion people on this planet. Billions of people don't yet know Jesus. That if Jesus came back today, they would spend eternity away from him. I'm guessing you know at least a couple of those people. This is our time, this is our opportunity to expand the kingdom of God. Let's be a church that will move heaven and hell to get people to Jesus, that will be disciple makers that will be witnesses so that there are more people that get to spend eternity with Jesus than if we just kept our mouths shut and our lives to ourselves. Why don't you stand to your feet and let's pray. God, we thank you for your heart of expansion. That heart that included us, made room for us, to be a part of your family. I thank you, Lord, that you don't just let us sit on the sideline, but you've called us into the game, that you've given us a part to play, to go and make disciples, to, to be your witnesses. Lord, may we never grow complacent about the urgent need to share the gospel, to rise up and to do our part to expand your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would use New Life Church in the days, in the weeks, in the years ahead. However long you give us until Jesus returns, I pray, God, that you would use our church to be a beacon of light in our communities, to be the type of church that is is taking the gospel to new places, that never loses the value that you place on expanding your kingdom. God, use us. Use us to be your hands and feet, to point people to you. God, we we thank you. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. amen.